Welcome back to Elephants in the Room. I am your host, Ari Marie, and episode nine is titled Baby Boomers and Generation X versus Millennials. My goal with this episode is to speak on the differences between the generations and figure out how we can bridge the gap between us millennials and our grandparents and parents. Like I keep saying, it's power in numbers. We're already fighting a war on race, so we need to come together and heal together so that we can win this war and take back what's rightfully ours, which is this country that we built. So as you all know from my previous episodes, my biggest issue with Generation X and Baby Boomers is their stubbornness in regards to them thinking that there is only one way to do things. And I also hate that our parents and grandparents don't talk about what they experienced during their childhood, which as a result hinders them from healing and having a better relationship with their children and grandchildren. I'll save my thoughts and newfound discoveries towards the end of the episode. Um, this episode, I had to invite my fellow Redbirds and Capricorn sisters to get their professional and personal opinion on the subject. So first up is the beautiful Shakobi Pines. Hey, love, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm feeling pretty good this morning, actually. Well, afternoon, I should say. Um, just honestly blessed. <laughs> yes, honestly. Same, same. Okay. So, love, do you have any thoughts or um, remarks on Generation X, Baby Boomers, and Millennials? Yes. So, I'll just give my tidbit. Um, growing up with um, a mother who is a Baby Boomer, um, our opinions clash. We've gotten closer as I became into my adult years, of course, mm-hmm. but opinions about everything kind of clash um to a point where now um and we've come to understanding like we don't argue me and my mother never really argue or nothing like that but it's just certain things that I have to necessarily break down to her because she just doesn't get so when it comes to working Mm -hmm. they are you know well backtrack when it comes to once you graduate in my family once you graduate from high school Either you get a job or you go to school. That's it. College wasn't necessarily um, big in my family, and it still isn't today. So they praise um, high school graduation and prom, but they don't necessarily encourage people to go to college. So as long as you got a job and making some type of money, it could be McDonald's, Mm -hmm. then, hey, it's good. So for me, like me going back to school and going to grad school and getting my second master it's like well why are you doing all this schooling for what you just need to get a job and sit down somewhere and it's like no (laughs) I can't no I can't just just settle with one job for the rest of my life earn a retirement check and just be done like that's not my goal that's not my vision at all so we definitely clash in those Mm -hmm. areas of understanding so yeah okay so (laughs) How did you discover your passion for your profession? You are currently a behavior therapist for adults with disabilities, right? Yes. Okay. So can you talk um, about what you do and then how you discovered that that's what you wanted to um, go into? Mm -hmm. Sure. So um, actually the job I currently have was technically made for me, which was really, really great. Wow. (laughs) I, through the Illinois Department of Human Services, I am a certified behavior therapist. 
Um, so I can basically bill Medicaid to service adult clients okay. in community day programs. But <laughs> we're going to backtrack it. So I have a little sister who was born with special needs. Um, mm-hmm. She uh, passed away in the year 2014 um, at the age of 15. So mm-hmm. she's been gone almost six years. Um, so she is literally the drive behind everything that I do. Wow. So I got my bachelor's from ISU, um, mm-hmm. got my bachelor's in psychology. I went straight on to UIC for my master's to obtain a uh, master's in social work. I had that. I did that for about two years. And then I realized like I was missing something. Like I love therapy. I love counseling, but I was mm-hmm. missing something. Um, okay. So I kind of landed into behavior which is called applied behavior analysis so I re-enrolled in school again (laughs) and I am taking up um applied behavior analysis to become a board certified behavior analysis and hopefully God willing I'll be done at the end of next year um with that so yeah I don't just right now at the current job I service adult clients but I have experiencing and continue to um, have other endeavors that I work with children from birth through adulthood working on behavior techniques because as it relates to baby boomers and you know generation x and all this um the way we um handle the way we raise our children is totally different right. what happened with us uh, how we were raised is totally different how we were raised me and you were raised is very different than how I plan to raise my children um coming up because corporal punishment isn't always necessary to do anything um talking to talking to your child at whatever age reading books doing everything that we we're doing right now that wasn't taught to us as we were uh, when we were little so I want to make sure that i of course bridge the gap but kind of change the way we think about what behavior is because when you say behavior everybody instantly think oh that kid bad right and he's not (laughs) he's not he's not the bad kid he just needs different steps or different methods in order to you know help his um development so that's me I'm the behavior girl Right. So you actually just answered my next question was, what do you think our generation is responsible for passing down to our kids? Um, You know, we are the future and our kids are the future. So um, for me personally, um, I am a part of many villages where I help bring up kids. And for me, one thing that I do with my nephew is I talk to him. Mm-hmm. after he gets in trouble and I explain to him why he's in trouble but we really don't necessarily like he's disciplined like you know he get whoopings mm-hmm. but we really don't whoop him as much because that's one thing that I felt like I got a lot of whoopings that I feel like I didn't deserve if my mom would have just sat down and have a conversation with me it could have mm-hmm. been you know cool versus Absolutely. always having to oh I'm finna whoop you I'm finna do that this that, and the third yeah. it's just like you know at the end of the day kids are kids they're going to mess up. They're going to make mistakes. So what I do with him is instead of, you know, hitting him, I just take away, you know, something from him that yeah. I know that he likes so that he can understand, like, you know, you're not supposed to do that. And mm-hmm. when I take those things away from him, I sit there and I have a conversation, you know, this is wrong and this is why. Mm-hmm. And 
we go about our day. So that's definitely one thing that, you know, I want to pass down to the, the younger kids and, you know, my nieces and nephews is that it's okay to make mistakes, mm-hmm. but I want to remove the the Joe Jackson and, you know, like the, the yeah, really strictness. The yeah, like yeah. It, it, I mean, we turned out pretty well, but at the same time, like, you know, the trauma that comes I, with that. I was just about to say that. <laughs> the emotional Ooh. trauma that Ooh. is embedded yeah. in us yeah. is it's tough. It's, it's kind of heartbreaking to kind of just get through it. So I don't want the same thing for my kids and any kids that I come into contact with to help and to teach I don't want that for them as well okay so how do you balance working and being a mother whoo girl (laughs) (laughs) it's every day it's every day um lesson I should say Uh uh one thing since quarantine um has happened I it's me becoming aware that I need help. It's me yes. becoming aware to say that, all right, Shakobi, like, you don't have it all together. So I'm going to need you to, you know, take a step back and say, like, I can't do this today. I can't. So um, it's becoming more aware, first of all, um, of the many hats that I wear. But then it just comes down to you. You are the only person that can take care of yourself. So for me, how do I balance? If I could take a nap, (laughs) if I can wash my hair as it requires once a week, and if I can just, you know, binge watch my favorite episode of Grades or something, then Mm -hmm. um, that's just kind of my self-care mechanism to continue on to push through. And then also, once work is done, it's done. Right. Like work work is one way and then mommying is my undivided attention as well as being a wife. Like mm-hmm. I have to make sure that everything is aligned. But again, each day is different, each day brings mm-hmm. its own problems. But you have to understand that, um, for me, that I gotta just, you know, break break habits. <laughs> okay. So I wanna um go back yeah. and um it's kind of personal so if you're not comfortable answering it um it's okay but I just want to know um I vaguely remember um your sister passing away back in 2014 okay how did you continue to push on and graduate (laughs) um school because for me um I was not able to push on like after Mm -hmm. my brother was murdered March 26 um 2017 and so that April I had enrolled in Robert Morris because by this time I had left ISU Mm -hmm. and um literally like two weeks before my quarter ended that's when my grandparents were murdered so everybody Mm. was like oh finish 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 and I'm like I don't have the mental capacity to finish anything like I just lost my brother and I was just getting back to you know getting myself together and then you know my grandparents are murdered like and both well Uh all three deaths were you know very tragic my Mm -hmm. brother's body was burned alive and they tried to say it was a suicide and then my grandparents were stabbed to death so it was just like I was not able to continue to 
you know, reach my goals. But For now, sure. mm-hmm. um, I just lost my cousin who was one of the 14 people that got shot um, in Atlanta. And I'm working, I'm traveling right now for work. And because I'm closer to God, I'm able to push through and still be happy. So Mm -hmm. how did you push through? Uh, So mm, my little sister, I can vividly remember the day she passed away. Um, She passed away two days before Christmas, four days before my birthday. Oh, wow. So winter, the the holiday season is just tough for us. Yeah, um, nice. Every year. <laughs> yeah, I know. So um, I had just got done with my first semester of grad school. So, of course, we have to return in January. And mm-hmm. for me, grieving, um, in order for me to grieve through, I needed to push through because I didn't like the way my mother was just sitting there day through, day after day, just trying to process that this is all happening. Mm-hmm. For me, I couldn't sit there and just do that. I mean, of course I wanted to. I didn't want to do anything like, no, this because this can't be right. But unfortunately, fortunately, God gives us instances that we can continue to persevere through. So mm-hmm. I had to do just that. And it was hard. It was tough. Um, just starting back to school and acting like everything's normal, going to my internship, you know, smiling, laughing, trying to continue to push through. So uh, it was hard, but I just couldn't stop because yeah. if I stopped, then what? What was going to happen? Nothing was going to change, but time was going to continue to go on. But every everyone's story is different and a lot of things are um, taken into consideration. Um, but I just continued to put God first as always. And I knew that yeah. this battle, it was, it's hard and it still is hard today, almost six years later, but, you know, he continues to guide me in ways that I never knew that I can, <laughs> I can be able to do it. So I just thank, thank the Lord every day. Ooh, girl, you me chill, because I felt that, okay? I felt that. Yes. Um, so how do you think we can help Generation X and Baby Boomers break those generational curses that were passed down to them? Like you said that you and your mom have made progress. You have been in your adult years. Um, why do you think that's so? Um... Hmm. Great question. Um, but I think it all com- it all boils down to the way we communicate to each other, and it's the way the communication mm-hmm. is put forth. Like you can't come to first of all, you can't go to a baby baby boomer of anyone of any kind and say like, I think that you should. That they're not. You can't tell any older person. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> what they what you think they should be doing because <laughs> they've experienced life in all these years. So no, you can't tell them that. But it just it mm-hmm. it's a way in communicating, but it's also in a way that the whoever the receptive party is has to be a be willing to be open to um things to interpret. Um, for my generation X, who who 
my them them babies. <laughs> I I love my younger generation of cousins and associates and all that, but they just that takes a lot of patience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it takes a lot yeah. of patience, mm-hmm. but for them okay. and for younger generations, kids, all of that. Um, if you find an example that something that relates to them, I think uh, I find that that. That w- that is what helps more because when I was in the schools and working with my because um, I worked K through eight, those um, if I found mm-hmm. like especially like I had a group of boys they were eighth graders you know they didn't care about school they were ready to graduate they they like Miss Times we mm-hmm. yeah, what you saying we not understanding this and that one day I came in and had some music on had Pandora on to some artists that they like they like oh. Oh, we could talk now. Like, yeah, now y'all want to engage. <laughs> so you just gotta manipulate it and just be creative with generation, with the younger generations, just to you know relate to them a little bit more. That you have to, and that's what anyone, I should put just again learning, being mm-hmm. learning about behavior. You just have to put it into ways that the the other party will relate to it the other party will communicate with for baby boomers you we just have to have those hard dialogues because they'll understand them more but for generation x and down we gotta we gotta music dance social media something creative whatever the case may be so you just have to manipulate it depending on the parties that you want to um address it to okay so, um, yes, me. two more questions. What is your end goal or impact that you want to leave um, by being a behavior therapist and then um, getting your second master's? Like, what Ooh. impact do you want to leave? You get deep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. So, since I'm on this podcast <laughs> today, um, I can kind of reveal that me, Shakobi, um, I am getting ready to launch my own non-for-profit organization. I won't say the name yet, Yay. just in case this comes out before <laughs> before <laughs> I actually begin to launch myself. But my end goal is to be as impactful as I can be to underrepresented populations because we ne- we don't have the resources the network um the partnerships um about learning um no we don't have those uh resources not just about behavior in general not just about um social work or counseling in general we just don't have the resources necessary to help our kids succeed that's my biggest point so that's my Mm -hmm. my purpose in life is to make sure that i if I can't help you personally or professionally, I know someone who can't help you. I want to make sure that kids and adults okay. alike, regardless of disability, regardless of age, regardless of the color of your skin, regardless of what income that your family brings in, I want to make sure that I am helping you. So the start of that is to develop my own non-for-profit organization to do some consulting work. And then eventually I would like to open up my own daycare um, to work with children with special needs or behavior issues that arise. Because if you think about any daycares across the Chicago land area and you have a you have a child who has some it could be minor to them or major, 
who has yeah. behavior issues, where do they go for daycare for learning? Where where can we send those kids? Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily have those avenues. Um, so I want to start that. Okay, wow, that's <laughs> ooh, that's amazing. Okay, after this um interview, we're gonna talk. I'm gonna text you because oh, that's that's so perfect for this, this other project that I'm working. Okay, on. <laughs> oh, it's, 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 I told working. you he is working. working. <laughs> I'm so excited. Okay, so last but not least, if you had to put a title on the season you're in mm. right now, what would you call it? You said, what would I call it and why? Okay, the phone was going in and mm-hmm. out. Um, ooh, that's a good question. Let me think, let me think. <laughs> take your time. This season that I'm on currently is called Transformation. And I call it... Mm transformation solely because um, literally everything that's going on within my life personally and professionally I am transferring transforming who I was or who I thought I am into the person that I manifested for myself to be and I need to be for myself to remain Shakobi. I love it. <laughs> it's kind of similar. The title of the season I'm in right now is Ooh. Rebirth. And I would say that it's the rebirth because I'm getting back to who mm-hmm. I was as a child. I'm getting back to who I was, you know, and who I always wanted to be. See, like growing up, coming from a parent who's a part of Generation X, like, like we said earlier, I was raised to Either you got to get a job or you got to go to school. The The field that you study, you have to have, you know, security. You have to make a lot of money. And so for me, I've always been a creative. I grew dancing, singing, playing instruments, all of that. That was my love. When I got to high school, I kind of strayed mm-hmm. away from that. And I went away to ISU to, for accounting, but I didn't because I wasn't happy at ISU I found my through Profound and my sister's keeper Mm -hmm. in those organizations and when I found what I wanted to do told my mom that I didn't want to do accounting anymore that was a problem Mm. because what I want to do doesn't you know but for me you know well at first anyway but for me the way I'm wired if I'm not happy and I'm not fulfilled, I, I, I won't give my all in it. And so I'm not going to succeed because I'm just doing it just because and I'm not doing it because I want to. And so now um, this quarantine really was a blessing in disguise because once I committed to myself and my dreams, God started blessing me and I'm like consistently and blessings just continue to keep falling in my lap. And so... This is the rebirth. This is the 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 new me and the better me. And so it's just like yeah, there you the go. Beginning. It's just the beginning. <laughs> that's <And> it. So, <laughs> so that that is the season I am. But um, thank you so so much. Before we go, did you want to um 
let the listeners know about any resources or where they can oh yes information (laughs) (laughs) you can definitely follow me on facebook it's my first name shakobi s last name times t-i-n as in n-t-e-s or you can follow me on instagram at simply underscore kobe c-o-b-a-y um you can follow those pages for now. And then once my business actually launched, um, you'll be connected to that as it'll be connected to my um, personal page. So I'm 27 years answer. old. Um, I got two degrees uh, in social work, a master's and a bachelor's. Um, there's a couple people from my family mm-hmm. who have graduated with degrees, um, most of them who didn't. And I just feel like I'm at the point in my life where there's so many things that... Oh, no, I wish they would have known to be able to teach me because I'm kind of finding out the hard way now. Um, but I agree with everything that you said. Um, the conversations that you think right. we would have had, we've never had, and we're kind of teaching and, you know, figuring that out on our own, which is not a bad thing, but, you know, it, it gets tough, <laughs> you know. Could have been avoided, yeah. So um, can you... Tell me uh, and the listeners your profession, um, what you do on a day-to-day basis, and kind of how you got um, So right now, I am a child protection specialist for into, the Department of Children um, and Family Services, and I do child sex abuse investigations. Um, so, like I said, I got two degrees in social work, my bachelor's and my mm. master's, and my master's is a, a focused in ch- child and family services. Originally, I never wanted to work for DCFS. <laughs> I used to always say, like, I don't want to work for DCFS. It's a flawed system, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. Um, but once I got out of school, naturally, by just being like the main social worker job, I applied just to see, you know, if I can get in. Um, and then I, I got the call and I was like, I kind of shifted my mindset around it. Like, okay, I know I didn't want to be in this profession, but maybe if I get into it, I can kind of be that change that I want to see, you know. I, I can do something differently than what the system has done before and, and po- possibly make right. a different type of impact. So I just trying to shift in my mindset around it um, and just jump right into it. Honestly, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I never seen myself being an investigator and definitely not dealing with child sex abuse. Um, but my background, my, my personality, my upbringing, it kind of made sense for me to get into it because I'm a people person. I connect with people well and um, you know, I problem solve well. So it's worked out so far. Okay. So how long have you been um, three months a now. child protection specialist? Oh, wow. Okay. So can you tell me, um, let's start off with one of the most rewarding things. Um, um, that comes from the most rewarding thing. Like I say, I'm a people person, so I love to, you know, connect with people, meet new people. I meet new people, and people just want to tell me their whole life story, you know. Um, so I'm in a situation where I'm literally saving the most vulnerable, you know, one of the most vulnerable groups children. Children have been sexually abused from, you know, from the people who've been hurting them and put them mm-hmm. in a situation. So just that alone is like enough, you know what I'm saying? Like, to children come out and you know it's a lot for you to come out and talk about mm-hmm. no that's 
abused, Ooh. let alone sexually abused, you know what I'm saying, into being a predicament where I can literally yeah. put a stop to that, put a safety plan in, make sure this child is okay, and potentially take them out of a dangerous situation or a situation where something like that can happen again. Um, is it, that's I think that's the most rewarding thing. And just connecting with people, you know, one of my very first clients that I've ever had, one of the hardest cases I ever had, um, their parents still contact me to this day, like, you know, I'm so thankful for you and the work that you did and invited me to come to their house and stuff, stuff like that. So I, I, I take that with me. Okay. Well, I commend <laughs> you because I ain't gonna lie, I'm pretty strong and I've dealt with some stuff, but I don't know if I can have the heart and the mind to take that on because that that's that's a lot. So <laughs> Thank kudos you. to you because woo, I'll be in that crowd with the damn kids. <laughs> Honestly and truly, because man, I'm an infant, so it's certain subjects like that, it would be hard for me. But um okay, so can you talk about your experiences with um baby boomers and generation X um, and how they've influenced you. Well, I, I guess um, I could just talk most journey. naturally about like the people who raised you, right? Like so my mom, my grandma, um, so my my family is kinda untraditional. Right. Yeah. I was raised predominantly by my mom and my godmother's parents. Um so my mom and my godmom had a real close relationship when I was born. I, I was okay. raised in my godmother's parents' home. So I had two sets of grandparents um, who were complete, from completely different sides of the okay. realm. <laughs> um, and so I got a different aspect from from, from each side. Um, mm-hmm. My mother's mom um, grew up, you know, somewhat, okay. you know, in poverty, um, in, in the crack era. Um, a lot of her and her siblings, they did drugs. Um, and mm-hmm. my, my mom and her cousins dealt with a lot of different things as opposed to my godmother and her family um they lived in a middle class black neighborhood you know they they were a little wealthier um and so my mom was blessed to be able to literally learn and know both sides of the spectrum Mm -hmm. um and so but they both made such a huge impact on my life because right my my godmother's mom um her name was Darlene. She had a daycare. Um, she's always had a daycare since I was a kid uh, in the basement. So I was always around a bunch of different kids. She was the type of grandparent that brought everybody in. When she stepped in the door, you was her kid or you was her grandchild. Like, that's just how she was everybody's grandma, you know? Um, but she was also very, very old school. Like, a lot of her right. yeah. ways were, were, were mm-hmm. old school as far as, you know, how a, a mirror should be and how a house should be ran and things like that, you know? Um, but then she also was untraditional some type of yep. in some ways too because she was a business mm-hmm. owner she had her own business you know so she was very independent in that way but she still had her mindset around what a relationship was supposed to look like um, and then my grandma my, my blood grandmother my mom's mom um, she was a little more in the streets you know what I'm saying <laughs> so mm-hmm. she she <laughs> Like, she was the one who really, you know, okay. is, who, nah, who, who taught me my street smart, you know, my, the hood mentality that, you know, because I've always lived in the suburbs for the most part, but my okay. my grandparents and my family, like, they, they've had different upbringings, you know, so she was the one who kind of instilled that, like, you know, don't don't let nobody play with you type of a deal, ordeal, you know, so um, I, I just grew up 
Yeah. Okay. To having very different experiences okay. from both sides of, you know, the realm. Um, and I feel like it's kind of ground grounded me out <laughs> in a way. Okay. Okay. So how did you discover your purpose and like your passion for social work? Like, you know, sometimes we like go off and into a different you know subject or field because we have people telling us well you know you need to have a job that makes certain money or this that in the third how did you know that um, social work was so your I always purpose? Knew I like what to was that defining work with people or help people like i've been doing hair for just about ever i've been babysitting since i was a young young kid like i said my grandma had so many people around her and was helping so many uh-huh. people out all the time and my mom was the same way so i always had that kind of helping spirit you know so I thought I wanted to be a teacher at first. And then mm-hmm. when I first went to college, I was like psychology, you know, right. I want to get in people's heads, brains, you know. Uh-huh. But then I got to college and psychology just seemed too um, technical. Like it wasn't, I feel like I, I wouldn't be able to connect with people as well. So I ended up taking Tawana Wingfield uh-huh. Social Work 101 class um, at ISU. And I don't know if I love the class or if I love her more, but either uh-huh. way, like she convinced me. <laughs> like. Okay, this might be for you. Um, it was just a lot more personable, you know. I had more room <laughs> to do different things. I felt like in social work, and then I knew that I could get licensed later, and you know, become a licensed clinical social worker, which is borderline same thing as psychiatry, psychology, you know. So I just took a different path, but always knew I kind of wanted to be in a helping field. Um, so she just had a really dope class, that social work one-on-one class with Tawana was dope and it, that was enough to convince me okay so what do you think our generation is responsible for passing down to our kids um, our nieces and nephews honestly, what do you think is important some to of the traditions and the things that the way that our parents raised us um like with a twist on them um only because i feel like children now have okay. so much more freedom okay um because technology and everything is just so much more accessible which feels Uh like parents should have more of a reign on their children and what they're doing and what what, what's feeding their brains because it's so easy and accessible for them to do it like it's inevitable for your child to go see xyz but be that much more hands-on so they don't have to go find the answers to these questions in other places you know what i'm saying um it seems like Uh the current generation of parents is so hands-off like kids are raising themselves but my mom wasn't like that she was very hands-on she knew my passwords to certain things she knew what i was looking at and reading she was asking me about it she was talking to me about it you know what i'm saying um so communicating with your children and then realizing that one thing that i didn't like you know being a child is like you know be quiet stay in the child's face you don't know x y and z but these kids are smart like my my little cousins my little nieces and nephews smart they got a lot of questions and I feel like you do them a disservice by shunning them off or not answering their questions or letting them go find an answer somewhere else where you could explain to them, let them know what's going on. So then they ain't lost in the sauce, you know, hearing yeah. it from whoever on TikTok or Facebook or whatever the case may be. Like, if a child knows, if a child asks, it's because they already, they've been there. They, you know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. So I'm like, it, it it just does a complete no, disservice to not right. talk yeah. to your children and not hear what they have to say or thinking that's because they're a child, they don't have a, a brain that's developed enough to understand because they understand it, younger and younger. Um, so um, 
it's, it's, it's definitely our responsibility to yeah. communicate Ooh, with the kids, yeah, you know, realize what <laughs> children are at certain labels to understand, understand certain things. Um, and to just keep pouring into them positivity and love, like even the tough love that we got from our parents, you know, you get older and realize that like that probably was just wasn't the best way to sustain those things. <laughs> you know, I'm like, so just be mindful about what you went through yeah. as a kid and oh, the things that you didn't like uh, that your parents ooh. did and then figure out a way to tweak that raising these kids and talking to these kids now. Yes, I'm so glad you said that. So, as um, a child protection specialist, and you are getting your own business, well, you have your own business as far as doing hair, what does self-care look like for you as far as balancing out um, your career and then, you know, your personal business? What what do you um, do when you get overwhelmed? So, like, I, I guess I kind of pride myself on not being a big worrier um i'm a, I'm the kind of person who thinks that like the world is so much okay. bigger than me and my little issues you know what i'm saying or if something is going on i know it has to be done or i know i'm not dying tomorrow so i try not to fret too much in the moment of of, of bad things um and i feel like that's my self-care on a regular consistent basis um hair is, is okay. a sad thing that i've always done but like it's the most freeing thing in the world like when i do hair i just I don't even think about it. I, I'm so used to doing it now. It's just like, it's like writing, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very therapeutic. Um, and then therapeutic. you're laughing. I'm a big mouth. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I laugh real loud. I talk real loud. I, I love to laugh, be around my friends. Like, I like to make connections. <laughs> like, little things make me happy. I, I swear, those the smallest little things. <laughs> Coming in the house, the house clean. And turning on Tiana Taylor album. I'm having a good day, okay? <laughs> Girl, I'm sorry. having a good day. I can't. Man. <laughs> Man. I can't get enough of that. <laughs> Ooh, I love that album. Oh, you just got me over here about to sing. Um, <laughs> next question. Um, how do you think that we can help Generation X and Baby Boomers break those generational curses? Because, like, for me, I've noticed in my family, like, majority of the Generation X, like, my mom and, like, her cousins and a couple of my aunts, it's like, you know, they weren't able to break the curses. Mm -hmm. They weren't able to break the cycles. And so they emulate what was done to them. And it's like, you know, we were raised to, like, oh, you know, you can't talk back or because you a kid, you don't have a say so. And it's just like, mm -hmm. now for me as an adult, I'm still unable to have a conversation with my mother because if she hears right. something that she doesn't like or doesn't agree with, it's, it's pretty much the end of the conversation. So, um, I've been, um, I asked Jacoby this and I asked other people, like, how do you think that we can, um, get around I was just that saying, with that's, that's, that's hard <laughs> that's hard like older people are so set in their ways like don't nobody know better than them, you know um but I guess just being open yeah. all the time being honest like uh -huh. having that uncomfortable conversation like because even with my grandma my godmom's mom Ooh, the way we used to butt heads, like, it's not even funny, you know, but, like, I always stood up for her because I always knew, like, your voice is not more important than mine. Like, I used to tell her that, uh -huh. like, we can have a conversation about our differences, but you're not going to make me feel like 
my voice or what I have to say is not important. You know, just because you're older, just because you're my grandmother. Like, I'm older now, too. Like, I should be able to, to speak. And it's a weird position to be in, yeah. you know, because it's like, now you feel like you're being disrespectful. But it's like, at what point do I stand up for myself, you know? Um, and so... I don't yeah. just standing your ground, honestly, and and doing it in the most respectful way you can, because it's like you're not trying to disrespect them or make them feel no type of way. But it's like Great I like what you went through and what you grew up learning and doing is very different than what I'm doing. So, can we at least have a conversation about it? Like, I I feel like we should be entitled to that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's hard. No. <laughs> Yeah, I agree a thousand percent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, for real, it's a, it's an everyday process. Um, have you discovered any or came across any challenges with those two generations um, with working in your profession? Have you had like um, success or uh, just any type of story with dealing with Generation X and baby boomers and kind of being able to, you know? Mm-hmm. Either agree to disagree, um, or or at least come to girl. like uh, understanding. <laughs> uh, me and my supervisor, we we <laughs> we're better now, but it was it was always one of those things with her. Like she was constantly com- commenting on my age, and like you know, she treated me as if I was her child, and it was like okay, now <laughs> I didn't go to school for all these years and get the same credentials uh-huh. that you got to be treated like you know like I don't like I don't know any better um and so I find myself constantly trying to stand my ground with her and letting her know like hey we have to figure out another way to communicate because it's not working for me or I feel like it's hostile or whatever and she still found ways to make everything a power struggle and you're my subordinate and I'm just like oh lord um, but we uh, we have come to a common ground now where I still my ground enough to where she understands that I'm not the millennial that you're gonna be able to talk to and treat any type of way. Like I'm just not that person. And I hope that I set the tone enough for her to understand that you can't treat people that way. Like regardless of how old you are, how you're used to doing things, I don't work with negative right. reinforcements. You know what I'm saying? Like I shut down with negative reinforcement. Like that's gonna make my work ethic be lower with negative reinforcement. Yes. You give me positive reinforcement, you work with me, we make a plan together, you speak to me and not down on me, I flourish, you know? And so I had to make her understand that like I will back away from a toxic situation so quick. Like <laughs> That's, that's what I that's what I love about myself nowadays. Like I have no problem removing myself from nah, it, even if me. it's the place that play, pays me. I will find another job, you know. Um, so it's like we finally got to a point where she understands that I don't yep, work with negative reinforcement. I don't work because you insult me. You, you do all these other things. I will step away for it before I try to fit into that box of what you're trying to make it seem like. Um, so stand your ground. I don't know. That's that's the best I can say. <laughs> Okay, so two more questions. Um, the next one: If you had to put a title on the season that you're currently in right now, what would you name it and why? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't know. So when I when the year first started, my pastor did a sermon on um, 2020 insight basically. Saying like it's not the same as 2020 vision is basically finding 
the the light and the dark. And so 2020 Insight is what I've been kind of been taking with me for the year because I feel like even in the darkest moments, I've still been able to create something out of it, something that's put me on the next level, something that's like making me happy, something that's making me not fall into the dark places that the world is trying to make us fall into, you know? So I feel like I've just been having a lot of insight, a lot of tunnel vision um, this year. Um, so, yeah, 2020 insight, tunnel vision, just moving straight forward. Okay. Like all the all the negative things that's trying to stop you, it just feels so irrelevant this year, right? Like I can just rush okay. past anything. That's exactly where I'm just focused and disciplined. Like that's just I, I'm keeping my eye on the prize. So I I feel that. Um, last but not least, what impact do you plan to leave as a um, child protection specialist for DCFS? Well, it's funny you ask me that because I'm actually leaving the Department of Children and Family Services. <laughs> okay, I just accepted a new position. Um, working for the Department of Human Services on uh, something a little more low-key so that I can really focus uh-huh. on, like, my um, my own business ventures outside of, you okay. know, a nine-to-five. Um, so that does give me something to think about. Um, <laughs> leaving DCFS, I just want to – I try to be very personable and very forthcoming with all the families that I come across um, out there. I pride myself on never having any situations where a parent is truly like cursing me out or upset at the job I've done. You know what I'm saying? Like they cursed me because the yes. situation was bad and it was hard to handle, but not necessarily because they didn't like me or the work that I was doing. Um, okay. And I just hope that whatever families that I've touched or talked to, you know, in my two years is that they, my, their experience with me was different than the stigmas that DCFS has or different from the last caseworker that they had. And I left some type of positive impact or put their family in a better position to do better or planted a seed or said something to them that make them think twice about how they interacted with their kids um, moving forward. And it's like, man, I've seen so many families, like I can only imagine, <laughs> you know, what, what right. impact I may have left on them. Like I've seen it a couple of times, like I said, a parent a call here and there and, randomly and say, you know, you did X, Y, and Z that put me in this position that, that they're thankful. And so I'm just glad that I can, those people was able to call and let me know. Now I feel like, okay, man, maybe I did a little something. <laughs> okay. Um, well, um, congratulations on your new position. Thank you. And before you go, would you like to let people know where they can follow you and your business pages? Um, go ahead and shout yourself out. Yeah, so follow my personal page. It's IJ Down. It's I-J-A-Y underscore Down. Um, my hair page is The Hair Room. It's the.hair.room underscore. And then also follow my new non-for-profit page. It's not new, but we brought it to Chicago. The Elite Vogue Experience. Our Instagram page is Eve, E-V-E underscore ISU um, and just stay tuned we're going to have a whole bunch of different cool things coming this year next year so thanks for yes well thank you so much for sharing your story with us I really appreciate it and I cannot wait to put this out thank you honey I appreciate you for inviting me no problem I want to thank my special guests, Jacoby and Jay, for coming through and giving great perspective and conversation. So funny because literally everyone on today's episode is a Capricorn, including myself. 
Um, and not all people believe in astrology, but I surely do. And there are many similarities between um, those two women and myself. Hardworking, authentic leaders and nurturers all come to mind when I think of each guest. So I also got to pop my shit because people always have so much to say about us cap queens. But in reality, y'all love us. Granted, I know I'm like three handfuls at times, but I'm definitely worth every hand. You feel me? (laughs) But on a serious note, my thoughts and feelings towards baby boomers and Generation X change every day as I engage in conversation and watch certain shows. For example, I just recently caught up on T.I. and Tiny Friends and Family Hustle, one of the few reality TV shows I do watch because it shows my people in a positive light versus that messy love and hip-hop garbage that give my people a bad reputation. And I watched the episode about T.I. and Deja. A couple months back, social media had a field day because Tip spoke on his relationship with his daughter Deja and that he goes with her to the gynecologist and checks her hymen to ensure that she's still a virgin. I won't give away too much, but what I will say is that after he realized that he was wrong and he and that he really upset his daughter, he reached out to her mom and brought her on his podcast expeditiously to speak on Deja's behalf. And I love that he was able to take accountability for his part in the situation and also apologize for embarrassing his daughter and realizing that he didn't know as much as he thought he did on the topic at hand. A lot of people have negative thoughts and feelings towards T.I., but me personally, I love him because he's candid and transparent. A lot of people aren't used to people speaking their mind, which is why I feel like he's hated because people envy him for having the courage to speak on things everyone talks about behind closed doors, but not publicly. I can definitely relate. But I bring this up because Mr. Harris is a part of Generation X and uses his platform to speak on controversial topics and teach other parents that they're not always right. Another show that touches on the differences between generations and races is Little Fires Everywhere with Reese Witherspoon and Carrie Washington. And if you haven't watched the show, I highly recommend because, baby, they hit the nail on the head in every episode. Ironically, I tried to get my mom to watch the show with me when we were on speaking terms, but she wasn't trying to watch it. That was my way of trying to get her to see how, in fact, the way we were raised has everything to do with how we are as adults, despite her rejection to this statement. Takeaways before I get up out of here. So I'm currently reading the book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a F-U-C-K. And this paragraph right here put everything into perspective for me about Generation X. I hope it will help others, too. Quote, many researchers and policymakers at a time came to believe that raising populations, raising a population's self-esteem could lead to some tangible social benefit, like lower crimes, better academic records, greater employment, lower budget deficits. As a result, beginning in the next decade, the 1970s, self-esteem practices began to be taught to parents, emphasized by therapists, politicians, and teachers, and instituted into educational policy. Grade inflation, for example, was implemented to make low-achieving kids feel better about their lack of achievement, end quote. This reinforces my thoughts from episode eight when I said that I learned how to forgive Generation X and baby boomers as well because they didn't know any better. 
Now that the information is out there, it's time to do better. My quote for today is a lyric from my favorite J. Cole's from my fave J. Cole's song, Middle Child. Quote, we come from a long bloodline of trauma. We raised by our mamas, Lord, we got to heal. We hurting our sisters, their babies as well. We killing our brothers, they poison the world. Distorted self-image, we set up to fail. I'm going to make sure that the real going to prevail.